Hey, this is Mike Paterno, and I want to welcome you to Mostly Unseen with Jeff Boucher. We're happy to have you here today. Jeff is the pastor of Mill Pond Church. I want to let you know that any of these segments from our podcast can be accessible through the website at millpondchurchny.com. With me, as always, is Pastor Jeff Boucher. We have a great topic for you today, and I hand you over to Pastor Jeff. Thanks, Mike. We do have a great topic tonight. It's uh, our second look at prayer. And uh, there is so much to talk about prayer uh, that it's utterly amazing. So tonight, we're going to kind of call this like facts about prayer. And, um, you know, in our first podcast on prayer, we tried to reconcile our biblical passages, the, the things that we find in the Bible, the scripture that tells us, you know, if you ask this in Jesus' name, I will give it to you. If you believe by faith, um, you know, what you ask for, I'm going to give it yes. to you. And all these different things. Then you start asking people, is that your experience? And we say, no, not, not exactly, not, not really. So last week we tried to really bring some of that into, into focus and clear some of that up. Um, we also focused a lot of our time on our belief about God uh, and our faith in God. Those are mm -hmm. two separate things, mm -hmm. our belief about God and our faith in God, because we sometimes find out that the God we believe in can be so much different in our minds than in reality. And uh, so a clearer understanding of who God is and what we believe about him is key to um, understanding and informing us on prayer. So if you want to know more about that, go back to our you know first podcast on prayer. Um, now, I got to tell you, I love thinking and talking about things in their action state because uh, I, I just think it's more exciting. Yeah. You know, when you think of things in action as opposed to being static. And I love talking about things like that. When I used to think of prayer, uh, you know, maybe growing up a little bit, uh, I thought of prayer as, as a chore, you know, not, not as exciting, not as, you know, and my prayer life, I grew up Roman Catholic. My prayer life probably consisted of maybe, you know, a couple of our fathers and a Hail Mary, <laughs> and then maybe some spontaneous things, God help me. Uh, I need this or I need that. And, and that was kind of it. And, uh, but I really thought of it as like, oh man, anything beyond that is hard work. You know, I couldn't stay focused. I had ADHD all over the place. <laughs> so it was, it was like difficult. Um, it was kind of something I couldn't get my head or my hands around. Um, how does this thing work? I, you know, just, mm. it, it was kind of foreign. And people, when they did talk about prayer or if the priest was up there talking about prayer, you just kind of, I don't know, everybody assumed you knew what it was and you knew what it meant. And, and what came to mind is the Lord's Prayer. You know, that's what you did, the Our Father. And uh, so it was, I got to be honest, it was something that did not excite me. Okay, just going to be honest there. And I think there's a lot of people out there like that. So, but then I studied and learned about prayer. And because I had an experience in high school where I really had what I'm going to call a conversion experience. I came to faith and it, you know, I had a good foundation um, in a lot of ways. But I, you know, I really came to understand more. And then I went on to, you know, to get my degree in biblical literature. Mm -hmm. So, um, but here's what I found out. When I started studying and learning about prayer, I saw it for what it really is. And the first thing I want to say is prayer is a war measure. It's a, it's a measure of what you actually wage war. It's a weapon. And that excited me. Uh, because there was actual things going on 
in the world when people pray. Mm -hmm. Now, there's things that we have to learn about prayer. You can, you can do prayer simply, like a child, and God honors it and God works in it. But there's other times that you can take it, and like a soldier, all of us played with guns out in the backyard, and you know, if we didn't have toy guns, we made stick guns, and, and we would do this. But if you actually went into the Army or Marines or whatever, you learned how to use a weapon. You mm -hmm. learned strategies. You learned you know, a lot more, so you became proficient. You can do the same with prayer. And that was exciting to me. So let's think about this for a moment. I'm going to give kind of some big sweeping statements, some comprehensive statements about prayer. And then we're going to break it down. So number one, the world that we live in today, we're going to call it prodigal. It's a prodigal world. We know what prodigal means. It's, it's a story in the Bible about the prodigal son. And we know that it was a son who wanted to go his own way, do his own thing, left his father. His father's devastated. And he goes off and, you know, his life turns into crap, basically. <laughs> and, you know, and then the father's always watching, always watching. And the son returns home and, and you're excited. You, you love to see that. Parents love to see their children. They go a little bit wayward, usually in their adolescent years. But they love it when they return. You know, some don't return. Mm -hmm. um, but we're always praying for them. And we want them to come back. So the world is prodigal. It's been gone so long from God um, that the home connection has been broken. And the heart of God bleeds over his prodigal world. So that's a, a big statement. Yeah, oh, yeah. Look at. Secondly, God developed an amazing plan to remedy the situation. In fact, the Bible tells us that angels and men both, prophets, um, marveled over the plan. And they marveled because it, its breadth was incredible. Um, its detail, its strength, its wisdom, and its tenderness. And it was just utterly amazing. And it says that until it was unfolded for us, and it has unfolded, that angels and the prophets longed to look into it. So that's the second big fact. Third is God, and this is going to sound heretical, it's going to sound like this can't be true. God needs man for his plan to unfold. So wait a minute, God doesn't need anybody or anything. Well, the fact is that God created the world in such a way that he's decided that he has to use and, and co-labor with man in order to get the job done, what he's trying to do. Now, the interesting part of that plan, um, you know, and we'll see this, is that um, he had to become a man. And that was incredible in and of itself. So God uses man. God's going to honor man in his service. But understanding that only touches the very edge of the truth about it. The pathway from God to the human heart is through the human heart. Mm -hmm. And um, and I want to give a quick example of this. Just a dumb little story that I heard many years ago, and I, I thought it was just so great. Hope you think it is too, but I, you know, it, it helped me understand some things. There was a, a husband and wife, and they had a daughter, and um, the daughter got very excited at Sunday school. She was learning about Jesus, and she started learning. She got very excited. She so she heard other kids prayed at dinner time. She heard that they prayed at night time. You know, before they'd say the prayers before bed. So her mom would take her to church all the time, and her mom you know, had the same uh, understanding, the same loves. 
So they would pray, they would pray, but the little girl wanted her dad to pray at the dinner table, wanted her dad to pray it, you know, before they, or she, in fact, she wanted her dad to come to church. She wasn't going to church. So dad would always make an excuse, no, I can't do that. He'd like let her go along. So Christmas was coming and the little girl wanted their dad to come to church so bad. And come on, daddy, come to church, come to church. And, you know, it was the Christmas Eve service. And dad said, no, you know, you guys shouldn't go either. The weather's getting bad. It was snowing. So the mom says, no, this is a special service. There's a special choir tonight. We won't be long. It's not far. It's just down the road. So we'll, we'll be careful. So they leave and the snow starts coming down. And dad's sitting in his, his uh, chair, his uh, recliner, and he's just reading his paper. And all of a sudden he hears thump. And he's one after the other. And he's like six or seven. And he jumps out of his seat, goes to him, and he realizes there's birds that are seeing the picture window with the light and warmth coming from it. They're in this big storm. So they're coming in not realizing the glass uh. is there. So they're hitting the glass and dropping. So he goes out the door and he sees the birds. They didn't die. They're just now in the snow below the window. And he's like, oh my goodness, I don't, you know, I don't want the birds to die. They're... So he says, I know, I'm going to go to the barn, which is, you know, maybe 100 feet away. And I'm going to turn the light on in the barn. I'm going to make some noise and let them see it. So it doesn't work. And the man's like, oh, birds are so stupid. So he, he, he starts to kind of use birdseed and say, come on, follow me, follow me. They don't do it. So he goes and gets bread. And he pulls, you know, the bread and he's making little things. So he decides to start leaving a trail from the, you know, from the birds where they are to the barn. And then he mu they must be afraid of him. So he's, he's so big and so whatever. <laughs> so then he gets out of the way. And then he puts the, you know, makes sure it's really well lit in the barn. The doors are wide open. And then he goes and stands and watches. And finally, the birds start realizing. So they start eating the, the, the bread a little bit. And they're walking away. And then they see the... The barn, the, the the so they go toward the barn and they get in there and boom now they're in the, the heated barn so he leaves it open for other birds to come. Now, all of a sudden the guy when they come and they realize it dawns on him exactly what his daughter was trying to say, exactly what his wife's been trying to tell him. He could not get the birds and here's what he thought. He said only if I could become a bird and lead them in they'll follow me. And it's exactly what God did. He became a man so that we would follow him. We could see what God is like in the form of a man. Mm -hmm. And we watched his life. We could see all the different things. And wow, that was eye-opening. The apostles, right? The the people that met Jesus. It was, it was amazing. So that's what he did. So he set the world up in such a way that he needed man to execute his plan. And that was the strategic move of his overall plan of bringing the prodigal world back to himself. Now, if you think about this, this God thought up the wildest battle strategy ever conceived. No one would have thought of this. Who would have ever imagined a plan where God himself would become a human, right? Endure all the weakness of being a man, meaning he would have to get thirsty. He would have to sleep. He would have to be vulnerable. He would, you know, he never sinned, but he would have to experience what we experience, hunger. And, you know, he'd hit his hand with a hammer and he'd feel the pain. Um, you know, all of that that goes into being human, thirst and, and sleep and all these things. So he understood 
all the way to the point of being killed by men. Mm -hmm. And so that's pretty powerful. So, you know, when you think about that plan, you there are some people still to this day, many people think that's ridiculous. Who would do that? And that's, that is ridiculous. Only a God who loved his people so much, his creation, would do something so bizarre as, as that. And as C.S. Lewis once said, that gives the ring of truth to it when you, when you see that. So, so let's talk about what happened and a little bit more about prayer here now. There was a prehistoric conflict, right? In its simplest meaning, prayer has to do with conflict. And that's the war measure here. So there's a conflict, there's a battle that goes on. So rightly understood, it's the deciding factor. Prayer becomes the deciding weapon in a great battle. And, you know, we think of battles that we've had in our country. And we've dropped some heavy ordnance on other places. And, you know, there's been crazy wars that have gone on. Mm -hmm. um, and, and weapons used and... So prayer is a weapon in a battle that's raging that that has prehistoric roots. The scene of the conflict is earth and its inhabitants. That's, that's humanity. The conflict runs all the way back to the time of creation. There was a pretender prince, we know him as Satan, uh, who was once in right standing with God. But then he, he became guilty of a breach of trust. Subject for another day. The rightful prince, Jesus, is seeking to bring that world back to himself and and you know he lost the world jesus did and we'll see what that means um but he's going to bring the world back to him differently than 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 satan has been trying to capture it okay satan uh tried to capture it through violence if he could mm. but he, he couldn't do it that way he could only get it if he could convince humanity to allow him in to their lives and he would take it by force if he could but he's not allowed he can only take it with consent mm -hmm. Jesus won't take it by force and only if he's invited in to man's heart will he will he work through man so an interesting thing about the battle Jesus came and defeated that pretender prince how did he do it he died on the cross he lived the perfect life he died on the cross, innocent man, taking the curse of sin upon himself. And he broke the power of sin in the lives of those who would come to know him. Then he gave him this unbelievable weapon called prayer. And that's what we want to talk about. So we want to think a little bit about prayer, how it works and, and, and so forth. So <clears throat> a fact about prayer is prayer can put you in touch with the whole planet. Now think about this for a second. If you are going to pray and you think of someone to pray for, you think of that, does that work? Well, if you know God and you've accepted Christ as your Savior, He's put His Holy Spirit in you. And now you can pray. And God hears you because Jesus has made it possible for you to have access to the throne of the Father. Amen. Right? Amen. So He, he gives us that ability. We are novices in that world of prayer. So here's some things he wanted us to know. I need you to help me because his goal, he, he, he did something amazing. He left the defeated general on the battlefield. No, no general has ever done that in the history of the world. You defeat a general, they're 
they're disgraced. Sometimes they're killed on the battlefield, or they're they're taken off the battlefield, and the victor carries out his new plans. But Jesus didn't do that. He left that defeated general, Satan, on the field. Why? How? Why? Because it wasn't just about defeating him. It was about winning the prodigal world back. And many, many men and women needed to come to know him so that they could be in eternity with him. Okay. Is that making sense so far? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Okay. So in all of that, um, we want to think about that for a moment, right? And we want to talk about what does it mean to be in touch with a planet? Well, here, I've, I've been around the world doing mission work and different things. And you know what? Those people in the places I've gone to are on my mind. I, if I want to pray for a school that we started in Mexico, I could go into my room, get on my knees or stand up and lift my hands up to God in prayer or walk around, you know, the, the beautiful, you know, ponds in, in my community. And I could focus on God and I could actually begin praying for that school in Mexico. I could pray for the students who are impoverished there, who we help um, pay for that school, right? We, we, we built that school, but it costs money um, to send a kid to school, but we have people in America that have sponsored them. I can pray for kids to get sponsorships. I can pray for those little faces, even if I don't know them by name. I could pray for whole groups of kids, you know, that they'll have a meal that morning, that their mind will work to hear what they say, that teachers will get to the school and that they'll be able to teach the kids and give them an understanding of, of God and so forth. These are things that like you can do through prayer. In an instant, you can be in Mexico mm -hmm. and your prayers are waging war against the enemy, right? The enemy will not release the battlefield unless he's pushed off. What pushes the enemy off? Well, the number one thing is prayer. And we call that kind of prayer intercessory prayer, right? We're interceding. We're going to God in behalf of someone else. And we're asking God to free them and to liberate them and, and to, to meet them where they are, to give them power, to give the school the ability to bring in more students and to, to raise up more funds and so forth. Now, um, I want you to imagine maybe a switching station, a power station. If, if you know, the, the, the employee, the, the staff member goes into that, you know, power station. And we think of a station many years ago, they would walk in there, they would flick one switch mm -hmm. and all the lights would come on in the northern end of the city. And you're like, how'd that happen? People out there in the northern end, they're just waking up in the morning. It might be 6 a.m. and he throws that switch and all the lights come on. The power gets shifted from, you know, that's prayer. Your prayer is, is lighting up a part of the world that was not lit up. And it could be in India, it could be in Africa, it could be in the neighborhood next door, it could be in the lives of your family members who don't live near you. It could be in your own kids who are still in their beds. It could be all of that. And so we go to battle in their behalf. And that's, and that's important, we'll talk about how that happens. So it's a spirit conflict and the earth's situation, the prodigal situation that we're in is swayed or decided, if you will in a spirit atmosphere. Um, now, what do I mean? That sounds weird. Well, how about this? There are unnumbered thousands of spirit beings. We call them what? 
Angels. Angels. Satan is an angel. He's a fallen angel, but he's an angel. There are angels. You know what the Bible said about angels in, in the book of Hebrews? He said, <clears throat> angels are ministering spirits sent to minister to those who are inheriting salvation to God's people. So the angels go back and forth between God. There's hierarchy hierarchy in, in the heavens. There's war going on, the Bible says, in the heavens, in the heavenlies, right? That place between heaven itself and earth. Think of the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer says, Our Father who art in heaven, so it's it's appealing to God in heaven. Holy is your name, hallowed mm -hmm. be the name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in other words, we're praying God's will be done. His kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Because, you know, earth has turned away from God. It's become prodigal. But but God wants it back. So when Jesus came, the kingdom of heaven came among men. And when Jesus died, he opened access to heaven because now our sins were taken away. And because our sins are taken away and, and God lives within us, if we've put our faith and trust in him, now we have the ability to bring that truth to other people. That is securing the beachhead. Every person that comes to faith is another person who brings the kingdom to that new area, that home, that neighborhood, that school, that place of work, or whatever. And so man um, is a spirit being as well, right? But man is an embodied spirit. We have a body. That body is physical. That body is temporary. So what do I like to say about that? When you die, and when I die, does the spirit die? No. The soul. Now, I want to just for the moment call the spirit, the soul, and the heart, the heart of man, all the same thing for the moment. That's the person. If you were to close your eyes and talk out loud in your mind, that person that's in your mind doing the talking, that's, that's you. That's the heart of you. That's the soul. When your body gives way and it succumbs to heart failure, cancer, an automobile accident, whatever it is, you don't die. Your body is a tent that your spirit lives in. And what do we know about tents? They are what? They're temporary. They're temporary. You 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 go sleep in a tent. You use that tent every day for a month. You're gonna be patching it. <laughs> you you know maybe a couple of months. You start using it year round and go through the weather. You you're gonna be working hard to keep that tent going. It's just like us. I feel my body right now. You know, there's all kinds of things that that. You know, you feel the body gets older. You get the aches and pain. It's wearing out. Mm -hmm. But when you die, your spirit does not die. You go on. And you become unembodied for a short time. But we, you know, and, and the angels are unembodied spirits. Okay? When you think of that, there are thousands upon thousands, myriads of angels. You just can't see them because they occupy the spirit world. The eyes that God gave us occupy the physical world. The eyes of the Spirit see things. Now, do they seem physically? Sometimes there's stories in the Bible where, and think of Elijah. I was going to say Second Kings chapter six. There you the go. king of Aram's all upset, and he sends that legion to go get to go get Elijah, and and Gehazi is all all scared, His and servant, he prays, yeah. and he shows, and he says, "Go look out out the window again." And right, what does he see? 
He's, yeah, so what happens there? His servant panics. Elijah the prophet, his servant just panics. And he says, oh Lord, they're coming. They're here. They've surrounded us. And Elijah says, don't worry. Greater are they who are with us than those who have come against us. Amen. And then he prays. Elijah prays. Lord, open the eyes of my servant. And all of a sudden, God let the servant see. The scales, if you will, fell from his eyes. And he saw chariots of fire surrounding the army that was surrounding Elijah. Mm -hmm. And God did not let him be captured. And you look at that. So there are moments that God will open our eyes to see into the spiritual realm. Now, there's another way of seeing too. It's seeing with the mind's eye. We God has given us an imagination. So we can use that imagination in our prayer. We can imagine God answering our prayers. That's a conversation for another day, but that's true. That works. That's real, right? And we can use it. I can imagine Mexico, the kids, the classrooms. I can pray over a classroom in my mind because I've been there. I can pray over kids' faces because I've seen them. I can pray over, if I, I can have a map and pray that in Juarez, that very colonia, you know, that, that the school is in. I can pray for that and see it. And my prayer is much more informed. But I do that through the imaginative eye of my mind, right? So really cool stuff. Now, Satan is a spirit being because he's a fallen angel. And, you know, he's an unembodied spirit, you know, and he tries to reach out to us through cunning, like he did to, to Adam and Eve. And with deep and very dark purposes, he tries to secure the embodiment of a human. He wants to seize you. He wants to, mm. you know, come into you. He wants to take control of you, but he cannot do it without consent. People will offer their souls and, you know, to the devil himself if they could get power, money, you know, prestige, whatever it might be. Um, and people want to control things. So they'll even give themselves over to the darkness if they can, if they can get that. So it's an amazing thing. Now, spiritual power is the only power that it's, it's the kind of power that the only kind that can influence the spirit realm spirit power physical power can't do that we can't shoot rockets into the spiritual realm we can't drop bombs there you know it's a power that is not of the physical sort and it can either be good or bad power right there are negative spiritual powers there are dark spiritual powers there are bright and you know, and good spiritual power. Now, that higher, infinitely higher and greater power um, than mere physical power is spiritual. And spiritual power is the opposite of a, a violent or physical power. Okay? Now, Satan will use physical force if, you know, as one of his chief, wep chief weapons, if he, if he can do it. But note, there's two very interesting facts about that. He can use it only as he secures a man or woman as his ally. He can't just do it in the world. He can't drop a, you know, darkness on mm -hmm. you. He, he, he has to, you know, get in. He has to win his way in and use that power through him. Demonic possession. People say, oh, that doesn't exist. Sure it does. Right? And it comes out in many forms. One of the ways, if you think about America... We're like a show me, you know, I've got to see it. 
One of Satan's greatest weapons here is for you not to see it. We call it mental illness. Not all mental illness, but we'll, we'll put that in that category. We'll put it, oh, look at that. That guy's crazy. That guy's, you know, out of his mind. And, you know, that can be spiritual. It could be something else, mm -hmm. but it could be spiritual. Mm -hmm. And it's notable that Jesus distinguished between, you know, mental and physical sickness versus spiritual sickness. Um, but in using his power, um, Satan used it with great subtlety. And he seeks to shift the sphere uh, of, of action, right? He knows that in the sphere of the spirit, um, force, like pure and simple, um, he's at a disadvantage because Jesus conquered him mm. in the spirit realm. And so he is completely defeated there, but he's trying to really work his way into this, you know, to get people sucked in and then take control, to, to get them so deep into the darkness that they, they don't feel control in their lives. That's what he tries to do. Now, I know there is, there's a lot to talk about here, so I want to start looking at some scriptural things. I want to give six underlying facts of prayer. We just kind of gave a big picture. And I want to say this. Number one that we have to realize, the, the earth is the Lord's. He created it, right? And it's the Lord's and all the fullness of the earth is his. And I, I think... Psalm 24. Have, yeah, what's yeah. Psalm 24 say? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Okay, pretty clear. Yeah. If the Bible is true, then the world is the Lord's and everything in it. Now, that contradicts something I said up front, that the world doesn't belong to God anymore. And how do we fix that? We'll find out in here in a minute. Um, what's Psalm 29 say? I think there's Psalm 29 talks about that as well. Uh, no, you know what? Let's bypass that one. That's, that's him sitting as king over the flood. Um, but... So the earth is the Lord's in all, in all its fullness. Secondly, God gave dominion of the earth. This is where it gets exciting. Mm -hmm. God gave dominion of the earth to man, meaning he became the trustee of the earth. So we find that in Genesis. Genesis. Yeah. Read that out. Actually, Genesis uh, 1, 26 to 28. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. All right, so he gave a few commands there. He said, let us make man in our image. Who's, who's that? That's the Trinity. Mm -hmm. Let us make man in our image. Now, image didn't mean physical because God wasn't physical. The image of God. God is the, the king. So we are the, the underlings, the ambassadors, right? We, we come in. He created us and he said, I'm giving the earth to you in trust. Now, we were perfect when he did that, Adam and Eve. They were to leave the garden and go out over the earth. The Garden was the Garden of Eden was the only cultivated place. And he said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply, spread out over the face of the earth, and take dominion of it. Subdue it and take dominion. So God was, you know, God made man God to the earth, if you will. Now, God was certainly over man, mm -hmm. but 
he gave it to man to go and, and take dominion. Now, that's an amazing thing. We became trustees of the earth. Now, you look at the earth, we haven't done a really good job on things, but, but let's just hold that. Third thing, man who held the dominion of the earth in trust from God transferred his dominion, his trusteeship, to somebody else by an act which was actually a dual or double act. He was deceived into doing it, and it was an act first of disobedience, then an act of obedience. He had to first disobey God mm -hmm. by eating from the tree, which we'll talk about a whole other time, eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And once he did that, that was sin. He broke with God. So, but the eating of that was actually in obedience to the command of Lucifer. So he disobeyed the command of God mm. and obeyed the command of another. When we part from God, we disobey by free will and obey the darkness, the, the other voice, which is very real, very dark, very powerful. Okay? Now, <clears throat> that's an amazing thing. So read for us in, in Luke, the Gospel of Luke. Um, and I know you've looked it up. Yeah, oh yeah. Right? Chapter 4. I think it is. Verses five through seven. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, you know, uh, the enemy, the devil led him up to a high place. And speaking of Jesus. Up, yes. And showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to you. Anyone, and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. I find an amazing statement there. Wait a minute. We just read the earth belongs to the Lord. But... Jesus, after his baptism, gets sent into the, led into the wilderness by the power of the Holy Spirit. And in that wilderness, Satan comes to Jesus to, to test him. Mm. And in one of those tests, he brings him to a high mountain, but he shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a, in a moment's time. And he says to Jesus, to try, you know, in help him avoid the cross right mm -hmm. try to learn why i'll give you this you don't have to go through the cross i'll give you this i'll give wait a minute he says because it was given to me wait a minute how did he give it? because the earth was put in trust to mankind mankind lost it and and gave it over to satan and that's why death reigns in the world today that's why mankind dies that's why, you know, bad things happen. Mm -hmm. Evil is going on. And we'll talk one day about the, you know, evil and how can there be a, a powerful God if there's evil. Very good answers to that, okay? But this one is, is in front of us right here. So we're told right there that Satan has the power to give those kingdoms. And that's why people will go to the dark side because they want that power. They want control. Okay, Jesus obviously did not fail the test. Now, that was the third thing. Fourth thing is the dominion or the kingship of this earth, <clears throat> so far as it, as it is given to man, is now not God's, for he gave it to man. So in other words, God is not reigning in the way that we want to see him. That's why all this evil happens, right? Well, wait a minute, is he not powerful enough? Yes, he is. is, he, is does he see what's going on? Yes, he does. And there's answers to that that we can't get to tonight. Mm -hmm. But it's not man's either. It's no longer 
under God's domain. It's no longer under man's domain. It has now been transferred to another. And it's in the control of that angel of light or someone mm -hmm. who appears to be an angel of light, which is Satan, the hater, the enemy of mankind mm -hmm. and of God. And Jesus repeatedly speaks of the prince, the ruling one. In fact, three times in the Gospel of John, he calls Satan the ruler of this world. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, actually, out. yeah, right. So John twelve thirty one, 31, um, uh, he says, Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. Jesus is speaking there. Um, and then later on, he says uh, in 1430, he says, I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, which is also like super, very profound if you really read those words. And in 1611, he says, and about judgment, because of the prince of this world now stands condemned. Yes. So Jesus, when he came, his objective, and nobody understood this at the time because it was unthinkable. Mm. They thought Messiah was going to set up his kingdom. But no, he had to first defeat the enemy. How did he do that? Through the cross. Mm -hmm. And when he died on that cross as a perfect man, he took the curse, which the curse of sin is death, right? It's the curse of all sin came upon Jesus. But death could not hold him because he was not sinful. So although he died, he, he rose again. And he never, his spirit never died, obviously. Who he is and who he was, <clears throat> he was always um, alive. So when we think of this, it's, it's an amazing thing. John speaks in, in the book of Revelation of a time that's coming when the kingdom okay, of the world is become the kingdom of our Lord and Savior. So that's in Revelation 11. Yes, 11.15 says, um, The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. Oh my Amen. goodness. So that shows us, right now it's not under his, his power, but he is working in the world with unbelievable power. And everyone that puts their faith in him receives that power in the Holy Spirit. And then co-labors with God. This is the most exciting part of what pray, about, about prayer. Is that God has invited us to be his partner. He wants to use us, work through man. So he comes into us with the Holy Spirit. And then utilizes us to reach others with the gospel. And each person that we reach with the gospel is liberated from enemy territory. We're redeemed. So it's like our army, you know. In our case, the American army. In somebody else's case, it might be the British army mm -hmm. or the whatever. And we are actually waging war on the enemy, beating back the enemy using the weapon of prayer. Because when we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. Jesus said, ask anything in my name and according to my will. His will is to win men mm -hmm. and women back to him. And we wage that war through our prayers. And... We're going to talk more about that as in the weeks ahead. It's going to be very exciting. Yeah, definitely. So, so that's powerful. So in the end, that kingdom comes back to Jesus. And he reigns supreme and eliminates that defeated general from the field. So very exciting. So the fifth thing is that God was eager to sway the world back, to influence, to invite, to love, to, to draw, to, to just 
you know, cry out to, to the world and bring the world back to its original state. So, and why does he want to do that? For his own sake, sure, but for man's sake, for the earth's sake. Um, you know, we don't know the world in the way it was when it was first created mm. because the, even the nature itself has come under that curse. But God is going to liberate the world. And, and man, every, every person, no, he gave us free will. So you can actually say no to the God of the universe. Can you imagine that power? You have the power to say no to God. No to God. And people do it. People go, oh, God won't send anybody to hell. No, he won't. You do it all yourself. You choose to go there. <laughs> you say, no, I don't want to follow God. I want to do what I want to do. Well, that's hell. <laughs> that's what that becomes. Right. right? Because we can't, we sin, we're full of sin. We can't live, you know, that way and, and, and you know, make success out of it. We can't do it. Now, so he was eager to bring that back. Now, the earth is badly scarred. Mankind is badly scarred. How? We're born now with a sin nature. We're not everything God intended us to be. But Jesus broke the power of sin, and therefore we can be liberated from that. And we can walk in the newness of life. God tells us that we're a new creation. And in that new creation, he empowers us to walk before him in obedience and to pray and do battle in behalf of others. That's why when you see the churches get together and they pray for something, it is unbelievable what, what happens. Now, it's amazing. The earth was given to man, but then it was given away by man. It must be returned or recaptured by man, right? And so a man came, capital M, into the world. <clears throat> and while Jesus was perfectly and utterly human, we spell that man with a capital M mm -hmm. because he was also God in the flesh. Mm. So he was perfect and he was quite different and distinct from all mankind. He was just like us and not like us at all. He was completely like us, but with no sin. So that's an amazing thing. So this man was the head of a movement and that movement was to sway the world back to its first allegiance, which was to the father, to God. Now, the final thing here, is God's man and the pretender prince. God's man meaning Jesus and the pretender prince meaning Satan, right? Had a combat. The most incredible combat ever waged or ever witnessed from the very cruel and malicious attack when Jesus was in the cradle. You remember Herod killed all the mm -hmm. children of Bethlehem trying to kill him. But God had Joseph and Mary move to Egypt quickly knowing what was about to happen. So they got up and he killed all the children in Bethlehem. So in many ways, all those children in Bethlehem were the first martyrs mm. because they died for Christ, right? They were coming to, to kill the Christ and they couldn't get him. So there, it was the most incredible combat and it started right then and there in the, at the cradle and it went right up to the cross, Calvary. And all in between, and it went two days beyond that to the grave itself and until... Jesus rose up, right? So that, that master prince of subtlety, Satan, right? He's a master prince of, of subtlety and of force. Did his best and his worst, if you will, all the way up to Calvary. And Satan and his minions, meaning the people that he was working through, the people that put Jesus to death, they thought the victory was theirs. 
when Jesus lay in the grave. But on the third day came, you know, the bars of death were snapped like mm -hmm. a thread, right? And Jesus rose from from the grave. Now, four quick things to know. These are things on Satan's side for a moment. <clears throat> First, Satan refuses to acknowledge his defeat. So he's working hard. He knows his days are short. The Bible tells us that. But he's going to try and take what is God's. Or actually, more correctly put, hold on to what he's already captured. Mm. Because right now, he had the whole world, but God is pulling pieces from it. How's he doing it? Through his church, through his people. So Satan's refusing to admit defeat. He's also refusing to surrender his dominion until he absolutely must. And how does that happen? By people praying. Mm -hmm. Liberating other people. Satan cannot stand before the prayers of God's people because only through those prayers, you know, does God operate and does God work. So, you know, that's really important. <clears throat> he yields only what he must when he must, right? Now, Satan is also supported in his ambitions by man. Men who allow him, men who allow him to work through them, women who allow him to work through them. He has to have mankind's consent in order to exert his control. Okay, so Satan cannot get into a man's heart or a woman's heart without consent. And God will not come into your heart without your consent. He cannot. God will right. not. There's different, right? Fourth, he hopes to yet make his... Um, um, I just lost my thought there. Um, hopes to make his possession of the earth permanent. He still believes there may be... If he can crush the church, completely eradicate it, make it down to the last person, and then, you know, forget it. You know, he's hoping in some way, and I don't know that for sure. That's a, a guess. But he's pursuing whatever it is. He doesn't want God, you know, to win. He wants to do everything he can to, to keep everything he's fought for. And that is an amazing, amazing thing. So we have some really incredible things in prayer that we can do. And there's three things I'll say as we're wrapping up here. I want you to think of prayer this way. People say, well, how do I go about doing it? I'm going to give you a lot of things in the weeks ahead, but here's, here's one thing I want you to think about. Prayer is upward, prayer is downward, and prayer is outward. The first part of prayer, so if I'm going to go get up tomorrow morning or go to bed tonight and I'm going to pray before I do it, here's my, where my heart first goes. I have to first make sure I am walking with God, that I'm right. I think through my day, God, did I do anything willful? Did I do anything slipping into sin? Did I displease you in any way? And I confess that. And not only do I confess it, like, it's not like just me going, all right, God, I did this, I did this, I did this. Can you take care of those things? It's much more, you know, I'm sorry for them because it displeases my father. And I don't want to displease him. Right. So if I do that, I'm, I'm checking myself. So my first thing is to say, Lord, forgive me. And, and I, I lay that out before him. And then as I'm doing that, I, I recognize why I need forgiveness. I start thinking about who he is. He's the king. He's the, you know, he's the one by the very words of his mouth spoke the worlds into existence mm -hmm. out of nothingness. And he's the one that can raise us from the dead. He's the one that can heal the body. He's the one who 
didn't wait for us to love him because we couldn't. He he loved us, and only because he did that could we love him back. Mm. So the love of God is amazing. Now when I start thinking about that, I think to myself, what a way that you even think about us, God. And then you, it brings you to worship. You you are just, he's the only one worth our attention, our obedience, our allegiance. He's the only one. And so then that's upward. Then I move in my prayer time into a request time. You know, the Lord's Prayer says, give us today our, our daily bread. Daily bread. Meaning, give us what we need today. What it is to eat, what it is to whatever. You know, Americans think if I don't have, you know, $10,000 in the bank, we're starving to death or whatever, you know, or, you know, we're broke. Or if I don't have, you know, three meals, full meals a day, that somehow I'm going to starve. <laughs> or if I didn't have a drink since 8 o'clock this morning, it's already 9 o'clock in the morning, you know, that, you know, I, I could die of thirst here. And, you know, the fact is, you know, God takes care of our needs. So God wants to hear from his children. What do you need today? Lord, I don't know what I'm going to face today. And I start praying about that. Help me be conscious of your presence because you're going to bring people across my path. You're going to put people on my mind. I might decide, you know, tomorrow morning, I'm going to pray for that school in Mexico mm -hmm. and really spend 15 minutes just praying for that. I might pray for my dad. I might pray for my, my wife. I might pray for, you know, the people in my church. I might pray for, you know, my friends who are pastors in other churches. I might, you know... It, the list goes on. But I always ask God, who, who should I pray for? And God puts people on our minds, right? So that's important. And then, you know, so it's asking those requests. Lord, give me what I need for today. And God does. And you know what? You can even ask about desires there. You know, I'd love to have a vacation. It's not important. It's not, you know, it's not It's going to break me. I'm going to survive without it. But Lord, I'd love to be able to get a week away cabin in the woods, uh, place at the beach, you know, whatever. God, you know, and maybe maybe you're a person that doesn't have a lot, truly doesn't. Maybe you're in ministry or, you know, where you might truly be not making a lot to go spend it on a vacation. You've got other priorities. God might open up one of his people to give you a place that is there. You don't know that person maybe yet. You don't know who he's going to do that with, but that could happen. So it's those are the kinds of things that I've seen throughout my ministry, throughout my life. So you look at that, and it's, it's just very, very powerful. So my prayer goes to all those things. But then the really exciting part of prayer comes. Your mind turns outward to do battle for those who are under the sway, mm -hmm. under the influence of the evil one. I can't tell you how many times as a pastor I hear people saying, Jeff, I have these sins, I'm, I'm struggling and I can't seem to break it. I can't seem, you know, I'm anxious. See, wait a minute, that's a sin? Yeah, anxiety is, is the antithesis of what God wants for us. Wait a minute. Yeah, you can be free from anxiety. You know, you can... Philippians 4.13. Yes. I can do all anxious, things through Christ yes. who strengthens me. Yes, and he also goes on to say, be anxious for nothing, but in all things. Make mm. your prayers and petitions known to God with thanksgiving. And the peace of Christ, will, I'm going to use my own words here, flood your soul. Mm -hmm. God's peace pushes out anxious thoughts. And it's, it's an amazing understanding there. You know, we, we can be free from anxiety. You can give that over to God. You know, and that's, we get anxious because our faith in God 
is not yet great enough. Mm. Did you know you could pray for more faith? Oh, yeah. It's a gift. It's a gift of the Spirit of God. Right? So you can actually pray for more faith, and God will grant that that prayer. Christ tells us in the Scripture. Absolutely. In the New Testament, it's several, several, several instances. Yes. He will absolutely grant that. And there are many things like that we can pray for, and God will do it. We can pray for people living in countries where they're being heavily persecuted, where they're starving. We can pray for people that are starving, that God changes that situation. One for that one person, but changes the system of government, changes the corruption, changes. We have enough food in the world to feed the world, you know, five times over mm -hmm. every day. But corruption and power and mm. sinfulness stop that from happening. So these are the things that we can actually change in the world through prayer. So amazing stuff. I want to stop there, um, you know, because I want to pray. There's people that say, well, how do I access this? The first thing you have to do is you have to know Christ. And if you're not sure about that, you can pray. God honors the penitent prayer, meaning the prayer of of confession, the prayer of, you know, remorse, and the prayer that says, God, come into my life and change me. He will always come with your permission. He won't come until you give him permission. And you want to be sure to invite him in as a host, not mm -hmm. as the guest. Mm -hmm. Because he wants control when he comes in. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole nother dialogue. But let's let's pray right now. And if you're listening to this, this podcast, <clears throat> you can pray this prayer wherever you are. God hears your prayer and God will answer if you're praying from the heart. So let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we thank you that you do hear our prayer. The prayer of a heartfelt confession. The prayer of remorse. The prayer of of desire to know you so father we know that our sin cannot be forgiven unless our faith is placed in you because you're the only one that could remove our sin you defeated the enemy you broke the power of sin so father hear my prayer today and, and you pray this right in your heart as i'm praying father please forgive me for my sin for my waywardness for my being a prodigal and I pray, God, that you would break the power of the enemy in my life, that you would hear this prayer, that you would forgive me, that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, and that you would begin to conform me to the image of Jesus himself. And Father, walk with me all the days of my life, because I ask this in the very strong and powerful name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are in the kingdom, if you meant it. And now find a church and uh, or reach out to us, and we can uh, direct you. So that's it. Mike, any last thoughts? Um, listen, I am really excited about this podcast as it goes. Uh, people are going to really learn so much about, about God and prayer and the kingdom and their spirit. You know... It's going to be so profound and overwhelming. People will really get to know God. You mentioned like early in the podcast about how Satan will use violence and different things. You know, Satan tries to destroy the body so that that the soul will be afraid of the average person. But God comes into the soul and, and lets you realize how unimportant the tent is and how dispensable it is, the body yes. is, so that you're really one of him. And, and scripture says, not one can be snatched from my hand. So once you're with him, you cannot be taken. No. So if that's not if that's not peace 
that surpasses understanding. Oh, yeah. I don't know what it is. But hey, Paul the Apostle said, to live is Christ. I'm going to live for Christ. And if I die, it's gain. It's gain. I, I don't lose. If I live, I'm with God. If I die, I'm with God. Mm-hmm. So there's no bad side to this as a believer. So, all right. That Amen. wraps it. And uh, thanks for joining us today. God bless everyone. Thank you.